when you're down and trouble and you need some love and care and nothing well nothing is going right close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studio, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show is regularly scheduled at the same time each week. PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson started the show in 2002. Since then, he's recorded over 1,100 shows featuring over 400 different guests, a literal who's who in bowling. So, Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world for all of your lane maintenance needs, including 24-hour technical support. You can always rely on the Kegel Company. So, go to Kegel. Net. Well, Phantom fans, this week's special guest has been here many times, and you've always heard his impressive bio many times as well. And as a quick reminder, he's a top ball driller, coach, inventor, and he has a thorough knowledge of the entire sport. And this week, he is here to help us talk about one of the most underrated all-time greats in history. So let's get him out of here. Phantom fans, here's the talented Bill Hall. Hello, Billy. How you doing? It's been a while, so how you been? I've been doing great, my friend. Doing great. It's great to talk to you and be back on the show, you know, and uh, just like everybody right now, trying to rebuild everything. My home center uh, that I worked out of for 12 years, Texas Station, Texas All-Star Lanes, unfortunately, it still hasn't reopened. So, uh Thank God for someone like Jerry Frank Amano, who's really welcomed me over at Sunset Station at uh, Strike Zone. So, you know, I was trying to build a new clientele, trying to head in a new direction. And it's just going to take a little time, but I'll get there. No question about you getting there. And, and you mentioned Jerry. I'll tell you what, you and him together, uh, what a dynamic duo you guys are. That guy is very talented. He's been around forever, and I love that guy. You know, he actually gets it. He realizes that if I get people in the door, you know, and they practice a little bit, learn a little bit, maybe they won't be so tentative about bowling the local tournaments, joining leagues that are a little more competitive. And that's really, I think that's where we need to go because as far as uh, league play right now, it seems like that's kind of going down a little bit. But the tournament play is really increasing. And there's a lot of talent out there, so you better be prepared. Well, yeah, everybody, you know, likes to be competitive in one way or another. And, you know, one of the great things about you, Pards, and it, is that you always think positive. Uh, you, like everybody, gets knocked down now and then. You always find a way to bring yourself up. You know, and it reminds me, uh, you've always said a, a few sayings in the past that you had sayings like, you know, to forgive and forget, and all kinds of things like that. There's a million of them in all these self-help books 
that you find in a library. Uh, you want to start off the show with something? You know, here's what I want to start off with. I really want to talk about the history of the game. And one of the things that I want to bring up is, you know, you can't build the future unless you celebrate your past and understand the history of it. And that just doesn't uh, apply to bowling. That applies to many things. And unfortunately, in my mind, we don't celebrate our greats. We don't celebrate our past. And when you look at other sports, especially when you look at golf, and as you know, I'm an avid golfer they bring up the history of the game over and over and over again. And they, you know, in our industry, if someone mentions that, you know, maybe we should have an all urethane league and you get this, oh my God, you bring, want to bring it back to the prima donna days and everything. You know what? <laughs> we, we have many products. Why do we sell just one? It's really hard for me to understand. And one of the things that I really delve into and I've learned from the greats on it, is the history of the game. I've learned from you, the great John Davis, may he rest in peace, uh, you know, Larry Lickstein, Barry Asher. I mean, the list is enormous. I, I'm not as good at the stats as they are, but I certainly have looked up all the players that they've told me about, and now that with the advent of uh, internet, I find out more and more and more and more, and it's. I think that we need to celebrate that. Boy, I'll tell you what, Bart, you hit the nail on the head uh, way back in 2002, and I asked John Davis, what do you want me to do around here? I'm not going to do the lanes anymore. He says, well, people need to know what you know, so why don't you start a podcast? Well, I never did that before, and I thought the first thing I want to do is maintain the history and tradition of our sport. And I promised I would talk about the past. And you know what? Recently, uh, we started doing that more and more. And I've had some guys on, Lick Stein and Barry Asher and other guys that you know. And we're talking about the past. And it made me think about something you told me a while back that uh, you mentioned a guy. He was a very underrated guy. And you said that you would love to talk about him. So we're going to introduce him to the to the current listeners, maybe somebody hasn't heard of him, but if you haven't, look him up. So, Billy, tell us what you know about Ed Lebansky. What an underrated player. Oh, my God, the amount of talent that man had. I want people to think about this for a moment. First, his stats are incredible. I mean, it's something that people really need to go look up because – his history is not only with his performance on the lane. One of the things people need to understand is he was the first president of the PBA. And he has, his intelligence of the game and the industry is still to this day unparalleled. And one thing that I see him as is he was the original successful, key word right there, power player. He did it all with just his middle finger and his thumb in the ball. In a quote that he wrote in a book, which still to this day just fascinates me, is he said when he put his ring finger in the ball, he hooked the ball too much. How many of <laughs> us would like to have that problem? I mean, <laughs> the guy was phenomenal, strong as an ox. Uh, you know, 
I have one regret, and that is in the early 80s, I met Andy Verapapa, and I think I barely got the words out, hello. Um, <laughs> we, we'd go to Detroit, and we'd go to Michigan, and I always wanted to meet Mr. Lebansky, and I never felt the courage enough to go see him and meet him. Uh, you know, to, at this time in my life, I really, really wish I would have taken that moment and learned from him because I learned from so many other players and so many other people behind the lanes, you know, so I got, I got a unique perspective. I got to learn about the game by being behind and watching the greatest players and learning from them, especially Mr. Earl Anthony, who taught me an enormous amount of knowledge. And when you have that perspective where you got to see how they treated the industry and how they treated what they did on the lanes so differently than what I see today, but they were successful at it. So I think we underrate, they were great players. And, you know, when you look at them, not only were they great players, they really, really understood the industry. And one of the people that, again, I'll go back to it. Mr. Lebansky was uh, phenomenal on the lanes. And for most people that don't know, he's the only player to ever shoot back-to-back -back 300s on national TV at the Miami Newsday Herald, I believe the year was 1957. So he did things with a bowling ball. And when you look at the comparisons of his his style, there, it was way ahead of its time. And he was just a phenomenal player. And unfortunately, we set that history aside when we should actually embrace it, celebrate it, and bring it forward so that the people understand that, you know what, these people that are no longer with us, and I miss a lot of them, you know, we lost Roy Buckley recently, and we've lost so many players, and I, I, Roy Buckley used to crack me up because anytime we would go somewhere, I only met with him like maybe four times, and he would always invite Larry Lickstein and I to lunch, and at the end, he would always say to Litch, you owe me, Litch. So Lich would have to pay for the lunch. So those are the things that, you know, I don't think people understand that we can celebrate that and not lose our future. We can look at our past and actually gain a better future. It's just my opinion. Yeah, well, you mentioned uh, Eddie and, you know, the, you've been to Detroit and you wish they had a chance to meet him. Well, as you know, I grew up with Billy Hardwick and I started following the tour in the early 60s. And then the late 60s, I started traveling around the tour as a gopher and just running errands for the guys. And I was able to meet Ed. And, you know, I was rooming with Jim Godman. I'll never forget this. Um, I shook Ed's hand, and he almost broke my whole arm. And I just was writhing in pain. He was just smiling, looking at me. And I remember Godman was one of the strongest guys I ever met, but I never felt a handshake like that. And, you know, there were times that go by in the late 70s, if my arm ever hurt, I thought of Ed, that he ruined my arm somehow. But he was strong as an ox. And, yeah, I used to watch him on championship bowling, and he was, like, effortless. And, you know, it, it reminds me of somebody that uh, you mentioned something before the show started that you wanted to talk about a current player that you thought reminded you of Ed. So who's that? Well, you know, um, I know I'm not supposed to say this. I have my favorite player. 
and my favorite player is Wes Malott. I could watch that guy bowl all day long. That is a flawless game, and it is actually very, 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 very similar to Eddie Levansky. They had the same type of swing shape. They had the same type of walk pattern, slightly different. They had the same upper body motion. Uh, at the foul line, I have a picture, which, uh, you know what, I'm going to end up posting that when, the, when, we, when we have this out. And I'm going to put the picture of Eddie Lebansky and Wes Malott cut out, put right on top of each other. You cannot find a difference. Their follow-through was the same. Their release was the same. Their rev pattern, from the best I can find from the films back then, are the same. So, you know, what is that saying? What is that old saying? Oh, yeah. History repeats itself. <laughs> and we've got a guy that, you know, I I could watch Eddie Lebansky all day and, and Wes Malad all day. And that means no disrespect to other players. I mean, I've trained a lot of players. But, you know, when I look at it, I just like that type of motion to where it looks like they do absolutely nothing, but yet everything happens. And those two players did it the best that way. Yeah, you're right. They were both, in fact, still, you know, with Wes, they're both effortless. And, you know, you'd have, for a guy like me, I got to throw out all my might just to look similar to, to Wes. And he was never really out of shape at the foul line. He was always had good balance. And like I said, he was strong as an ox. But there's a tremendous difference between the two. And you know what that is, Pards? I bet you do. Give me your version. My version of tremendous difference is I had to look up at Wes and down at Ed. Ed is a short guy. He looked very big on championship bowling, but he was no more than 5'10", I'm sure. And... You know, I mean, I, I have a nickname for Wes Malott. He doesn't know it. I nickname him House because he's, you know, I feel like i got to look up at the second story. Um, <laughs> but these, they have so much in common with setting the ball in motion. It looks like absolutely nothing happens. And when you break down all the players, the great, I mean, the greats, like a Danny Wiseman, a Norm Duke, a Walter Ray Williams Jr., when they set the ball in motion, an Earl Anthony, I mean, the list is forever. They all look like they did nothing when they set the ball in motion. Although people call it a push away, I like to refer to it as setting the ball in motion. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Those, every one of those guys could hustle if they wanted to because they didn't look like much until the end of the game. They, and they, you looked up at a 240. <laughs> and I mean, I still remember you know, the, the knowledge that uh, Earl Anthony passed on. I mean, I try, and, I try and compliment that because I don't think we should forget that. I mean, I get choked up when I start thinking about the players that we lost. These people, I'm the only bowler in my family. Nobody bowled before me. Nobody got as involved as I did in the game. And I looked up to these guys, and I when I would keep score for them at showboat lanes, and people got to remember, we used to have those telescore units where you, you had to keep score. And I used to skip school just so, you know, um, but you would keep score and I would listen to what they were saying. And I would try and dissect it and, and absorb what their information was. And when you look at these players, I mean, 
Aiden Levansky was, uh, could, the guy could hit a crack. I mean, the guy was that good. And when you look at these things, I think that we can't just look at, you know, the celebrating or selling of high scores. We have other, other uh, uh, goods to sell. We have other products to sell. You know, we could we could have different ways of looking at this game. And for me, it just gets a little disappointing that we look at it one way only. Okay, who shot 300 today? Who had an 800? When are we having the next 900? You know, I want to see somebody grind. I want to see when they when they screw up. I want to see the penalty because that's what attracts me to golf. That's what attracts me to baseball. You make a mistake, you don't get away with it. You get pounded for it. And I think we need to have that type of not only the high score product, but we also need to have the other product of, you know what? I want to see someone be the very, very best. Yeah, you know, that's the popularity of the majors in golf. You know, you watch the U.S. Open, you know it's going to take a score of about even or minus one to win. You know, the same thing with this Ryder Cup. They were tough the other day. The wind was blowing and all that. I think the competition comes up and comes out. It's it's a more more vis- visible, like you say, when there's a penalty. Uh, a steady stream of strikes is really kind of boring because you know how good these guys are. And if you make the hole eight feet wide, they're going to whack them, you know, just like in golf. So... Pards, I, I got more to talk to you about. I'm going to have you back on again in the near future, but the old clock on the wall tells me we're running out of time, and I know that you've got a hobby going, and we're going to talk about that hobby next time. And besides, I want you to look in the old record books and see about a guy from the past that you'd like to talk about, because we're going to be featuring that a lot in the coming weeks. And uh, just like you talked about uh, Ed today, I want to bring up some of the old-timers. Uh, we've just had Harry Smith on. got Roy Buckley coming on. We're going to have uh, Billy Waylou. There's a whole bunch of guys we're going to be talking about, and I want you to be involved. So, Phantom fans, that's going to wrap it up for this week, and we appreciate everything that our sponsors do for us. They give us extra time sometimes because I talk and talk and talk, and I run out of time, but we're going to recognize Storm Bowling. We're going to recognize Brad Edelman. We're going to recognize Dave Kowalski for their continued support of our show. So I got about a minute left, Pards. Uh, you want to say goodbye about anything and anything you want to say? Well, I would not only for me to look at the history books, I would like every player that's involved. I mean, it's kind of sad that you go to a bowling center and you bring up the, the name of not only past players, but current players. And the, a lot of the players look at you with a, a blank face. Yep. They have no idea who they are. And it doesn't matter whether it's Jason Belmonte or a Norm Duke or a Pete Weber or any of the other greats. Uh, they look at you with a blank face. So I think, I think we need to start marketing what is special about the best and whether we want to celebrate that, tear it apart, whatever. But it, it helps lead us to the future, and I think we need to build that future. 
I do too. It's got to remain in the conversation. We can't let it be forgotten. So with that, parts, we're going to close the show. So for Phantom Radio, I want to thank Billy Hall for his appearance. This is the Phantom. When you're down and troubled And you need some love and care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I